The process of landing investment banking job offers can often feel like a black box, which leads to confusion and anxiety for most of the candidates going through it. Hey, my name is Sam Shaw, and I'm the founder of Wall Street Mastermind. I've personally coached numerous students on how to successfully break into top-tier investment banks, including Goldman Sachs, Morgan Stanley, JP Morgan, Centerview, Evercore, and PJT Partners, just to name a few. On this podcast, I'm going to help you demystify the investment banking recruiting process by sharing what the clients of Wall Street Mastermind have done to get results like these. Enjoy this episode. Tell me more about this LBO model that you've been building. Like, what have you guys built out so far? And like, what are, walk me through some of the mechanics of that. Yeah, I mean, so um, a lot of the assumptions that, like where did you start? Where did you start first? Um, to start off, I built out the free cash flow statement based on past, based on like past historical data, and then projecting it out. Um, that's yeah, that's where I started first. Okay, how do you do that? How do you like? What are the steps of projecting out free cash flow? And like, what what past data did you have? Um, we had past data on their income statement uh, that we used to project free cash flow and like do you want me to tell you how to calculate free cash flow yeah sure i mean like is all you need an income statement or like yeah how would you go about calculating that um yeah i mean to calculate free cash flow you essentially do ebit times one minus the tax rate um minus capex plus or minus changes in networking capital um and plus depreciation and amortization Okay. Anything else? Um, like what you just gave me, what you just gave me, is that lever free cash flow or is that unlevered free cash flow? That's unlevered free cash flow. Okay. And so like, do you use unlevered free cash flow for your LBOs or lever free cash flow? Um, there, the complete part I looked at that we were building has, is going to be levered, but, um, so far I've been out, built out the unlevered part. Like, I've included the mandatory debt repayments yet or the interest expense. Okay. So you build out the unlevered free cash flow and then where do you go from there? Um, so essentially like some of the assumptions that we've made so far um, as regard to revenue growth, projecting it out. Like for example, uh, for revenue growth, we looked at the industry growth with um, the comp- the industry that the company works for. And you looked at a base case, a upside case, downside case, um, different other assumptions like depreciation and like margins. Um, we used a lot of historical data that the company provided us and based our future assumptions on that. Um, yeah, so that, that was the next steps. So you built in different cases, which is still, that's basically still just talking about the free cash flow, but you just have three different cases for the free cash flow forecast, right? Right, right. Okay. And then, like, where do you go from there? Once and then... Um, free cash flow, and then what do you do? Yeah, so other... So essentially, um, another thing I worked on was assumptions. So to find the purchase price, um, you, we use a multiple for president transactions. I found a couple of deals that were very relevant and used that as the uh, multiple for the purchase price. And then looked at 
the exit multiple based on like how much we predict the company will grow um, or something like that. And as far as like the leverage ratios, that was what uh, my boss essentially gave me. So that I didn't have as much of a role in that part. Hey guys, we're going to get back to the content in just a second here. But before we do that, I just want to ask a quick favor from you. So uh, we don't really promote a whole lot of anything on the channel ever. Uh, but if you feel like you're getting value from this, the one thing that you could do to really, really help us out is to just share this on your socials. So specifically what you could do is go on Instagram and share this on your Instagram stories through a screenshot and make sure to tag us at Wall Street Mastermind. Or you can also click the share button down below just to share this on any other social media platform as well. All right. Now, uh, if you feel like you're getting value from this and you want more content like this, also make sure to click the subscribe button down below. Um, that will just make sure that we can continue to get more of these useful tips uh, into your feed on a weekly basis. And uh, yeah, really just help us promote this through word of mouth. We really, really appreciate it. And with that said, let's get back to the content. You found the purchase price using a multiple, uh, using precedent transactions. Okay. And how did mm -hmm. you, how did you go about finding the precedent transactions? Um, I found for two of the present transactions specifically, I, I was able to find them on um, some website. I forgot the name of the website, but it had some information on a deal and I was able to contact an investment bank and talk to one of the um, bankers there to ask about ask about deals that they worked on within the industry because that's the industry they specialized in, um, the industry that the company I'm looking at was working for. And he was able to give me a little bit of information on the multiple that he's been seeing. Also saw another website that, talked about what companies in general within that industry have been trading at lately in general so um yeah i was able to kind of find a range for that and then look at the like middle and like mean of that okay so you're using your so you're basing this on off of actual precedent transactions or you're basing this off of just like your conversations with these bankers well both i mean present conversation like the banker told me the present like the transactions he's been seeing in his research and then um present transactions that i've seen through my own research so combine those two and just you know found the, found the average okay and so these are what ebitda multiples that you're using yeah EBITDA multiples okay you're using ltm or ntm um we used ltm i believe ltm yeah. Okay. So what was the multiple then that you came up with? Um, well, I can't quite share that because it's an ongoing deal right now. No, you can because you just don't have to tell me who it is, right? Like, I don't know. Okay. Um, we came up with five times. Okay. Um, and by the way, just for your interview, like you're able to share stuff. You didn't tell me what company it is. So like I can't. Okay. All right. Um, okay. So five times entry, right? Mm -hmm. And then you said you guys predicted, you guys predicted the exit multiple based off of how much the company would grow. So like, what did you guys use for the exit multiple? Um, so for the exit multiple, we had, again, a downside upside in base case, but we just assumed that we're going to improve the company. We're going to improve its uh, multiple over the time that we hold on to it. And Essentially, that's like what my boss was predicting. Like, yeah, we can improve this company by so much. And then we essentially decided to, um, instead of five times, we decided to make the exit multiple 6.5 times. Hmm. Okay. What do you think about that assumption? Um, I, I mean, I think it's pretty fair because 
the within the industry, like companies are growing at 7.7%. Um, and if we hold on to it for, you know, three to five years, which is how long a lot of private equity firms hold on to companies, I can definitely see that being possible, especially if like, you know, although the market's going to be a little recessionary, if we, if there's a comeback and like a lot of growth and the comp in the industry that we're working with is relatively recession resistant. So I could definitely see that being possible. So like the five X right now is you're saying that's like kind of the average of what their peers are trading at in this space, right? Yeah. So by saying you're going to exit for six and a half times, you're basically saying that you think that by the end of your holding period, whether it's three years, five years, or probably potentially even longer, mm -hmm. they're going to be one of the best companies in their space and they deserve a premium valuation. Like, why would that, why would that be the case? Um, I mean, they, I feel like internally operations wise, they're, my boss relatively mentioned this, but there's a lot of thing operations wise that can be made more efficient, like cutting down a lot of costs, um, a lot of like revenue, like potential growth. He didn't specify how, but that was his main reasoning for the growth. Okay. I mean, look, um, typically like in an LBO model and the base case assumption is you assume the same exit as the entry. So like, yeah, it doesn't really, at least for the base case, like usually you wouldn't assume that you're going to be able to create a one and a half turn improvement on the multiple. Like you might be able to, mm -hmm. but that would be something more of an upside case or something you know what i'm saying mm -hmm. so that's where like i don't know something i know maybe that is really what your boss wants to do but that's something for you to keep in mind like you might get challenged on that you know like okay the answer that you gave i don't really feel like is super strong in terms of the justification for why the multiple deserves to grow right okay so Thanks for listening to this episode. Interested in discovering how you can get personalized one-on-one -on -one coaching from Wall Street Mastermind to help you beat out the massive amount of competition out there? Head on over to www.wallstreetmastermind.com slash apply. And the street is abbreviated to ST, so it's really wall, stmastermind.com slash apply. And our team looks forward to speaking with you.